Greetings, future lovers. This is Killstreak, episode 38. The Dirty 38, as I like to call it. Who am I? Well, I'm glad you asked, because I'm going to tell you. I'm Eric Goslin, and joining me today, as always, from Austin, Texas, um, Michael Price. You should also know that I'm in Los Angeles, and that Austin, Texas, is it's an impressive location for me right now. So, Michael Price, how are you, my esteemed colleague, my partner in crime? I just missed Austin. I would like to travel. I would like to go there and uh. eat barbecue. I'm going to keep okay. talking over you. How are you? I'm Good to hear. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Great. Love the attitude. Yeah. <laughs> mm. You mm. are. You're yeah. also lucky to be here. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> fair, 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 fair. Um, yeah, no, I, it's great. It's a lovely, sunny Sunday afternoon here in Austin, Texas. Yeah, same here. Uh, I guess at the end of the day, we're all just looking up at the same sun. Uh, How far apart we are. That is definitely true. You are not wrong. That is a factually correct statement. (laughs) I love Um, giving you nothing to respond to. (laughs) Essentially saying nothing and therefore making you spin your wheels and have nothing to respond to. Yeah, we're just kicking up up mud here. Well, well uh, don't let this yeah. intro be any indication on the quality of this episode, because it's going to be a good one. And uh, we're here. We're going to be talking about Army of Darkness, the third Evil Dead movie. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, in a way, in one way, it could be looked at as the close of the Evil Dead series. But in another way, it is not. No. Um, yeah, there's certainly more for Evil Dead itself and for our favorite hero Ash Williams down the road. But, yeah, but uh, we didn't know it at the time. And no. Between this no. and what eventually happened it was a good what 20 something years? How long? Close to it. Yeah, in 20 20 plus years between Army of Darkness and Ash versus Evil Dead. Yeah. And uh and close to 20 years before the Evil Dead remake. Right, and we will uh, be covering that next episode. Yeah. Um Yes, we will, and and we're still we're still hashing in, out the timing and the plan. But rest assured that Eric and I will take some time before we conclude this series of episodes to talk about Ash versus Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I certainly want to, and I think me too that that I will probably finish the series before uh, we record that. So yeah, I'm hoping to. I'm I'm into the second season now, like three episodes mm-hmm. in. So I I feel yeah. pretty good about it. It moves fast, that's yeah. for sure. You can really like, knock a few out in a row. No, yeah, no problem. I, it's about a half a half a half a season per night for me. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, I don't know. Is there anything we wanted to uh talk about up top before we got into the movie? Or I forget. No, you know, I don't think so. The... We have some we have a couple listener questions that we'll save to the end mm. of the next segment. Um okay. but yeah, let's let's jump into it. We're talking Army of Darkness. Uh Mike, how did you come upon army of darkness uh back in your youth um yeah sure well uh well before we start i did want to let everybody know dustin johnson won the masters i know you're all waiting to find out <laughs> what happened um <laughs> they're waiting tomorrow they're gonna hear the <laughs> to yeah hear that's the... right okay everyone who really wants to know is gonna wait 24 hours but yeah so anyways um 
Well, I kind of told this story. I sort of blew my wad early. I think it was last week or the week I before. I always do but... that. <laughs> Not me. I go the other way. Uh, but uh, anyways, uh, the old taffy pull, you know. But, um... <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> Just kidding. Right. No, we're fine. Everything's fine over here. Um, but uh... <laughs> what I was going to say... Is that, yeah, I told my story of my childhood friend Matt Winky and my near miss with seeing Army of Darkness. Um, but so my ultimate introduction to it came years a few years later, and I saw Evil Dead 2 when I was about 11 or 12, I think. And then I basically ran out as fast as I could to watch Army of Darkness. And I think for me, and I'm sure this might be true of others, um, at least of our generation, it's like these movies, specifically two and Army of Darkness, are almost of a piece with each other. Mm-hmm. I know that I know that they're different movies with different tones to a certain degree, but it's like if you asked me, it's like what what do you like better? It's like well, I don't know. They're they're part one and part two of the same story. Like, right. Stop trying to get me to choose, you know. Um, but I will say that. This movie in particular, probably from the age of about, let's see, when was 1997? I would have been 13 going on 14. Mm -hmm. So from around then into late high school, I think you could safely call Army of Darkness my favorite movie. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. For me, um, it was definitely the first Evil Dead movie I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's probably the case with a lot of people our age, just because of the timing mm-hmm. of when we came to age, uh, and this yeah. movie came out. It's a bigger release. It's the stu- It's yeah. the only major studio release of the first three. Yeah. Um, and and also like I think I said this last time, it was a it was really aggressively marketed in like comic books, in like mm-hmm. video game magazines. I remember seeing that just that the poster on on the back covers a lot or. And so uh, sure. it definitely like got my attention. I didn't see it in theaters. It must have been on video or or like on TV or something after. Yeah. And then didn't really realize it was part of a series. You know, just I just thought it was a, a weird movie that started out in a very strange way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But then when, when some go ahead, I was just gonna say, yeah, some of that is deliberate on the part of. Uh, the production company because yeah there was like a push and pull about how clear they were going to make it that this was a sequel to the evil dead mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i i read um i don't know if this is jumping on your uh what you're about to say so, no go go to town but i did read that originally they wanted like sam raimi wanted to call it the medieval dead yeah which is a great title i wish that was it's the a title, title that m- it makes a lot more sense yeah. for this movie I do think Army of Darkness is also a great name for a movie, but I think totally. for for the third movie in the Evil Dead series, yeah, it's hard to argue with the Medieval Dead being more kind of appropriate. Yeah, and also, I, I mean, I would argue that even if if you don't know what Evil Dead is and you see Medieval mm-hmm. Dead, you wouldn't really think anything of it. You'd be like, oh, yeah. sure, I'll see. You're it. not losing. You're not losing anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, for sure. But yeah, I saw this movie. I loved it, um, mm-hmm. and I think, but. Behind number one, this is the other one I've seen the most. Yeah, this is the one that I have seen the most. And a lot of that is the product of I can feel it in my hands now as I talk about it. But the well-worn VHS copy of this that I own, I think for whatever reason, just because of easy availability, I had 
this was the only one that I had a copy of that I owned myself. Evil Dead 2, I would rent sporadically, yeah. but Army of Darkness, I I mean, this was a this was a put on before I go to bed movie for years and just like it's yeah, that that VHS copy got so worn out. Um and so yeah, regardless of like quality, this was the one that I have seen by far the most of the three in the in the original trilogy. And um I think it's so popular with with people, especially like I mean, I don't want to say I'm sure it's popular with young women as well, mm-hmm. but young men of our age group or mm-hmm. men of our age group because it is it's like a total fucking over the plate um home run as far as movies go. It it has everything a, a, a adolescent boy wants. Like <laughs> stupid goofy comedy. Uh-huh. Great action like a, yeah. a cool funny hero uh it's just like it it's it's a like i said it's just uh did i me- did i mess up saying over the plate home run i don't I got, think I, so I, 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 when i was like halfway through i'm like wait am i saying this saying wrong <laughs> like i'm I very mean, paranoid yeah i mean you definitely sound stupid now but <laughs> i think but the, over the plate was fine that's fair yeah. okay cool um, <laughs> yeah i mean i also think that you know there's something okay so let's do this i want to talk about my kind of trepidation coming into watching it for the podcast and then we can sort of jump to our gut what do we call them blood and guts blood and check, guts check. <laughs> i forgot what the thing on our podcast was um and then we can maybe unpack this a little bit more mm-hmm. but you know sort of going off of what you were saying is i think that my fear coming back to watch this because it's probably been about five years since i've watched it Mm-hmm. Uh, was that some of the, in particular, sort of slapstick moments and some of the more sort of male bravado type stuff would have just uh, aged poorly or and not even in a like not not because it's inappropriate so much as it's just like it did. It does feel like a movie that's so squarely geared towards like a 15 year old boy. Right. Right. Um, and I am no longer a 15 year old boy. I am now two 15 year old boys <laughs> and a six year old boy. Um <laughs> So, <laughs> wow! All in a giant trench coat together. <laughs> Honestly, not that big. I think two normal fifteen-year-old boys and a six-year-old could fit in a trench coat that fit me. Um, but anyways, that's neither here nor there. This metaphor has gotten away from me, but in a way that I don't really regret. No, I think it, um, I think it makes a lot of sense. Honestly. Okay. Great. Um, yeah. So I was just like, I don't know how well this is going to hit for me now, as like a as yeah. like a. a a quote unquote grown a grown adult. Um, so that was my fear going in. Um, how about you? What were you thinking? That was running up to this. That was also my fear. Cause I think it's probably been even longer since I've seen it last. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I had the same, not misgivings, I guess, but the same apprehension going into that it, for all yeah, the same yeah. reasons. Um, especially the, I was very, very nervous about all of, all of the, uh, Three Stooges stuff. <laughs> because I yeah. remember part two being more of that, but I guess mm-hmm. I was just really remembering part no, this one. Because oh, there's, there's plenty a this, ton yeah. of this, a ton of yeah. that kind of humor in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, well, why don't we move into that old blood and guts check? Uh, do you want to launch into it or should I? What's uh... Yeah, I'll just give, I'll give my thoughts. Um, yeah. I still had a blast watching it this time around. The movie mm-hmm. sings. It's like um, mm-hmm. an hour and 21 minutes. 
<laughs> and it, yeah, there's a couple of different cuts, but that's the theatrical version that most people get their hands on. Yeah, and I wonder if I've seen another version before because there wasn't anything mm-hmm. that I didn't remember or I I remember yeah. that wasn't in what I watched last night. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, one of the one of the interesting things is the longest version that exists is actually the the TV cut. Because 80 minutes is not enough oh, yeah. to fill a two-hour movie slot, even with commercials. So there is a 90-minute cut of this that exists that uses, like, deleted scenes and stuff. Oh, I want, uh, I'm going to look that up while you're talking to see yeah. if I can find some of the scenes that are missing. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I had a very good time watching it. Mm-hmm. I do think, you know, some of what I was worried about mm-hmm. did come into effect. Yeah. Um, but still, at the end of the day, really had a blast watching it yeah i think that you know for me when i was you know again a teenager this was a movie that was perfect yeah it was like there was there was no criticism that could be leveled at it and now watching it again and being older it's like it actually Instead of batting a thousand, it bats like 750 yeah it's still fucking great but it's like it's not quite as uh you know just perfect and and uh you know it, it yeah there's some stuff that's like a little that just doesn't really make me laugh anymore mm-hmm. um i was definitely thinking about some of the comments that you made about the scripts of the first and the second movies and then thinking about this one and it's just like yeah i mean this movie like the script the dialogue isn't very good it's like there's a bunch of fun quips for Bruce Campbell and that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of it just kind of like chugs along in a very workmanlike fashion. Um, so there's no character development. There's no relationships or anything. No, like that. no. Um, and I think that, you know, all the stuff that they want you to think is funny. Like I said, I think about more than half of it still works even now. Uh, and so as far as I'm concerned, it's still a really fun movie to watch. Um, yeah and yeah it is weird it's or challenged yeah yeah and i would say it is challenging to evaluate it as a an a like an appropriate sequel or third film in this series like i do understand the diehard fan of Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 who looks at this movie and says, ah, it's fun, but it's like a weird way to close this trilogy. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're, you're not wrong about that. Yeah. yeah. No, that that was something I definitely thought about. It's like this. How would I feel if I was a diehard? Evil, a, I was a diehard Evil Dead 1 mm-hmm. fan coming to yeah. Evil Dead 2 and then a diehard Evil Dead 2 fan coming to this one. Yeah. And it's just like I, I don't having watched them all out of order initially, I, I can't really say what that sure. would be like, but mm-hmm. I can yeah. really imagine being like walking out of the theater and be like, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think if you're if you're someone who's maybe fifteen years older than you and I, who yeah. like was introduced to Evil Dead before Evil Dead Two was released, I could understand not being on board with the direction that this ultimately went. Yes. Um, but yeah, like you, I, I, I uh, digested there, ingested them in a mishmash order. And yeah, so it's like, it's all, again, it's all just ash 
to me, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of how I feel about it in general. So, um, something I thought was interesting, um, and we can talk more about this when we talk about Ash versus the Evil Dead, but my concept of Ash as a character, mm-hmm. um, I think mostly came from this one, this yeah. movie. But I even think in my in the years between this and Ash versus the Evil Dead, I kind of met headcanoned Ash to be more of a loser. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so I think it's interesting because we talked about this a little bit off the pod last night. And like you said, I think that probably the place to get the most in depth on this conversation is once we we talk about the series. But yeah, he each sort of uh man i'm having trouble pulling words today iteration each each yeah iteration each incarnation of ash um it shifts a little bit and the first one he's really just he's no different than any character in a slasher movie where it's just like he's just trying to survive and Mm -hmm. do the right thing most of the time he jokes around a little bit but i mean you know even the ash is a coward thing which feels now like part of his dna right Mm -hmm. uh is really only cemented in this movie. And there's shades of that in Evil Dead 2. Mm-hmm. But he's still pretty much a hero yeah. in the second movie, right? This is the one where it really turns and makes him more of a braggart and a coward, right? Yeah. Uh, the blustering coward. But then it isn't really until the series that in on top of that, he's a fucking loser, yeah, too. exactly. Like, you know, and, right. and I, I had just watched the series for the first time recently. So mm-hmm. I don't know why I even had that in my head, but I guess it's just like yeah. it, being an older person now and thinking about the character of Ash, like, Oh yeah, I guess right. he's sort of a loser, but not really in, in these movies. He's not exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, he works I will in say a, that there. Exactly. Re- That's what I was. Yeah. Sorry. Go No, finish. Oh, your, I was going to say, he, yeah. I mean, now this is the movie where he works in S mart, which mm-hmm. I completely forgot that this was the movie that introduces that whole like yeah. storyline so then we right. do get like oh he just works in a retail store as like a 30 something year old 40 year old man <laughs> yeah and i don't think you think about that so much when you're a teenager no like yeah for me like the fact that he worked at s mart was just funny it was just and i liked it because of the dissonance of like giving him this sort of work a day job even though he's like in medieval times yeah. fighting you know deadites right but now as an adult you're like oh they're also saying that like yeah as a 30 something guy working in housewares at a at a hardware store he's kind of a loser right um yeah and and so i think that that like it is they and i think that is the sentiment that they sort of run with when Ash versus Evil Dead starts, right? It's kind of where it leaves you at yeah. the end of this. Also, want to be clear, um, I do not think people who work in retail are losers. <laughs> uh, no. But, you know, I, that was I'm just pra- yeah. kind of how he's presented. <laughs> Honestly, I'm I'm lower status than anyone who just has a full-time job right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, so... <laughs> So yeah, if you work at an S Mart, then you're one up. You got a leg up on me. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that it's man. Let's. I I, I want to talk about the tone of this. Yeah, movie let's do some it more. Um, it is like you said. Like the easy thing to take away and to remember about it is the sort of slapstick nature of it. But I really do think uh, I, I like I want to give myself and give you and and diehard fans of this movie some more credit because there also is a lot of satire here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like Ash, 
like this movie almost runs up against like spoof, you know, mm-hmm. it's, there are shades of like hot shots here with the sort of yeah. skewering of action movie heroes. Um, and yeah, I think, but it's like almost done to me in a, in a more deft way because it's like, it's not quite as on the nose, right. As like just a full, like Zucker Abram Zucker spoof is like, you know what we're making fun of. There's no subtlety to it. We're just like, we're going to keep slamming that button as hard as we can. Yeah. But this is like the transformation of this character into, as he is frequently referred to in the movie, a coward, uh, mm-hmm. a loudmouth braggart, right? Like all of these things is like, it is a fun skewering, I think, of like the traditional action movie hero that while being pretty on the nose is still has a little bit more bite and a little more subtlety than something like a Hot Shots, for instance. Yeah, well, I think for me, the difference would be like a Hot Shots <clears throat> or like a I don't know, Naked Guns on a great example. But that kind of movie mm. um, is it is just a parody of a genre where this I feel like is more of a celebration of a type of movie. Yes. Like the mm-hmm. Harryhausen kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which is something I'm sure. Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell probably loved and grew up on. Yeah. And so it's yeah, yeah less of like a skewering of it and more of just like, hey, you know, I mean, they're silly, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> right. And it's it is it's funny to me, too, that like it's like when we talk about filmmakers kind of and they're uh, you talk about like genre pastiche, like you, everyone always talks about Tarantino, right? He's like the obvious guy. That you go to and it's like, oh, yeah, he loves like black exploitation and he loves kung fu movies and he loves like 70s, you know, car movies and all this shit. And like you see all this stuff coming together and it's like, well, this movie is the same fucking thing. Mm -hmm. It's like there is I mean, the whole story is sort of a takeoff of like the Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is classic. Great idea. Um, There's like a Gulliver's Travels edge to it. Uh, and then, like you said, the Harryhausen stuff, like Harryhausen is as much of an influence on this movie as we talk about the Three Stooges all the time. Yeah. Um, and there's like Errol Flynn type stuff, the sword fighting and all that. And it's just like, yeah, this movie is uh, everything that everybody like jerks off Tarantino for coming up with, you know, in the years after this. Like, you know, I think Sam Raimi is doing the same thing here, which is really fun. Mm. And and I like that it's a lot of stuff. I you know, because he's obviously he's not the first person of the of his generation to pay homage to the stuff he grew up on. I mean, like Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, the Indiana Jones series. Like, yeah, but that's like that's it's narrower. Right. They like pick a genre like the, the serial, like the sort of the serial and they run with it. But what I like about this is he's pulling they're pulling fantasy elements from all over the place. Yeah. To make just like a fun kind of blowout movie. And I think what separates like a Tarantino from Sam Raimi in this case is that Tarantino is very good at picking cool movies that he borrows from. Like very yeah. like cool hit uh-huh. movies. Yeah, or, getting establishing his bona fides. Exactly. And all that. Yeah. Whereas like Raimi's, you know, he's pulling from a more broad a broad mm-hmm. appeal kind of a movie that he, yeah. he has a lot of affection for. I'm sure Tarantino has mm-hmm. the same kind of affection for those kind of movies, but that's, yeah. that's kind of like Tarantino's genius is he knows where to steal from in, sure. in like the most cool, obscure way uh, places. 
Yeah, I think you're right. And I mean, for better and for worse, right? He's so concerned with being cool that like, you know, I think that there sometimes like there's there's an infectious uh, sort of glee in this movie that you don't get from a lot of Tarantino yes. stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's interesting that you bring up uh, sort of broader and more um, it's almost like kind of populist stuff because I think that is one of the big, like we talk about it being more comedic, but I think not only is the movie more comedic, but it it is it is not a horror movie, no. really. It's the closest you could call it is, I mean, it's fantasy. There are, are some horror elements in it, but I mean, it's not a horror movie. It's not particularly violent. No. Um, it's, and so it, it is, it, it is a deliberate attempt by Sam Raimi to make something more accessible. Uh, for a larger audience. And I think he's he's on record as, as acknowledging that. And it is the kind of thing that makes me like. It, I mean, he I think he proved to everybody that he could be successful in the broader world of, uh, you know, cinema. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, Spider-Man trilogy that he directed was wildly successful. Oh, yeah. Um. You know, we I think we lose track of these like box office records because they get broken all the time right now. But I remember very distinctly that Spider-Man, the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man, was, if I'm not mistaken, the first movie to break the hundred million opening weekend barrier. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so at the time and it's been eclipsed a hundred times over, you know, by just half the MCU movies. But at the time. He he directed the movie with the single biggest box office opening of all time ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like he got to prove that he could do it. But I do wonder if does if I'm trying to be super critical of this movie just for the sake of argument, it's like, does it do a disservice to the Evil Dead franchise to try to go in that direction for this particular movie. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's a great question to ask, but I don't know that I have an answer for it. Um, uh, uh, what I was going to say was it is a truly, truly strange movie. It, it is a, it's a kind of a miracle that something like this was made, and I do not think it could ever mm-hmm. be made in today. <laughs> like Just a, a high-concept, big-budget, fantasy yeah. comedy sort of horror movie mm-hmm. that's the third yeah. sequel or the second sequel to a, a gritty gritty low budget horror movie it's so such yeah. a strange thing to just have to have in this world mm-hmm. um that it i just is. don't think that we nobody could do this now no although i will say to not be all doom and gloom i think that it's just like there is a place for this now and it's basically streaming and Mm. it's it's as a series and not as a feature most likely sure but like i will like i don't i yeah i i want to acknowledge that like there are like netflix takes chances on stuff you know stars obviously like was happy to get in into the evil dead business for a while Mm -hmm. and and so there is a place for things like this to exist but i think to your point what we're not going to see again unless the industry really changes is you know, in the movie theater, a big event movie that that they put money and time into. Um, but, you know, then again, like this movie almost didn't happen even when it happened. So uh, like it, this is they shot it in 1991. Uh, 
it didn't make it into uh, release in the festival circuit until almost a year later. And then they held up the release for another nine months until it finally got a theatrical release. So it had been almost two years between when they shot it and when it came out in the theaters. And I think a lot, Campbell and uh, Ramey and, and those guys were pretty resentful about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, it was a lot of production and studio fuckery. You know, we don't really have to get into the nitty gritty of it. It's, it's yeah. the same old story. Was you know? it just like people, oh, sorry, just like changing of hands? Kind of like, you know, a um, studio head leaving and... Not so much that. So there was... Okay, so there were issues with the rating and editing of the movie. Uh, there was a lot of back and forth between Universal and Raimi in terms of getting the cut done. Uh, there was... One of the other big stumbling blocks was... So Dino De Laurentiis, who's the producer of this, uh, again, after Evil Dead 2 was in a big fight with Universal about Hannibal Lecter. Um, There was a rights dispute. Universal wanted to make a sequel to The Silence of the Lambs, I think what ultimately becomes Hannibal, right? But Dino had the rights to Hannibal Lecter because he produced The Silence of the Lambs and had purchased, you know, in whatever way, had... um, had the rights to the character or it may have even been going all the way back to Manhunter. I'm not even sure if he, uh, yeah, I think he wasn't even involved in silence of the lambs. It was like he had leased out the rights to Hannibal Lecter for silence of the lambs. Mm -hmm. And then they had to go back to him again and be like, okay, we want to make another one. And I think he was being, uh, difficult and who knows? I mean, you know, more power to him. He, he uh, got the money eventually, but, um, so that was there was a lot of friction between him and the studio, and I think that Army of Darkness paid the price because it was his next movie in the pipeline, kind of the leverage that Universal had against him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, either way, it made it to the theater eventually, and it did fine, not great, but you and I were just laughing about this before we started recording. I mean, the movie made like three times its budget. But it's like considered to be kind of a flop, um, which is just hilarious to think about yeah, now. That is, it, yeah, because that seems like good money, I, or to yeah, be, for your movie to make. That's like how ratings have completely changed on TV. It's like mm-hmm. now, if you get a million yeah. viewers, you're like king of the world. Whereas like that was a <laughs> yeah, huge it used fucking to be like failure. Thir- yeah, it was like thirty when we were in high school. It was like yeah, yeah fucking t- twenty five million people watched Friends on Thursday night, right? Um, yeah, but, uh, I mean, like every movie in this series, this one had a huge life after box office, uh, was a big rental and big cult hit and, you know, what dumb fucking teens hopped up on surge like me staying up until 2am, <laughs> uh, playing Goldeneye and watching army of darkness. You know, that's the, the, the movie, I mean, you know, it, I think it's to go back to what we were talking about initially. It's funny how even though it's probably the most maligned of the three critically and in terms of uh, it's like even success in home video. uh, But it is the one I think that left the biggest stamp on people in terms of like who this character is. I think so. And and what direction the series would ultimately go when it did return, because I do think that Ash versus Evil Dead and again, we'll talk about this in more detail in a future episode, but it does a really good job of synthesizing kind of all of those versions of this story 
and ash in the tone. Mm -hmm. But I think it still takes more from this tonally than anything else. Um, I think this may be the most beloved of of the three movies. In fact, I'm going to do this live right now. What is your favorite evil dead movie? (laughs) Who are you asking? I'm I'm, going to tweet this out. And, oh and we'll okay. See. The all right, yeah, we're gonna get uh, get all of our uh, kill streak stands out there. Uh, hopefully, are sitting by their Twitter machines and ready to respond. Yeah, we'll see if we get enough responses by the end of this episode. If yeah. not, we'll just talk about it next time. Yeah. Uh, while Eric's wrapping that up, just a little bit more info about the production of this movie. We mentioned this last week, but this is actually essentially this was the pitch for the original sequel. To Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just couldn't get the financing for it. So, uh, you know, we got Evil Dead 2 instead, which thank God for that. But so this is what they wanted to make more or less in the mid 80s. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it takes huge inspirations from Ray Harryhausen. You get a lot of Jason and the Argonauts uh, here. Um, Sinbad and, uh, you know, even a little bit of the later Harryhausen stuff. But Clash of the Titans, I've always been such a huge fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so a lot of what you see, this is one of the last movies that uses a lot of. Um, so a lot of people would look at this and think that you're seeing a lot of rear projection effects. But in fact, this is a movie that took advantage of what's referred to as front projection. And I'm curious, Eric, as a master filmmaker, do you know the <laughs> distinction between these two methods of shooting uh, special effects? No, I'm not sure. Oh, okay, I, so I, for any... Before you get into it, I do want to say mm-hmm. that would be, I think that would be a colossal misstep to go from Evil Dead 1 to, to Army of Darkness. Uh, yeah, as far as, like, it would have been even... It would have been like so yeah. weird. Yeah, even worse received. Yeah, for sure. And I, it's funny. I'm talking about it like the Army of Darkness wasn't popular with fans of this series. It is. It's fucking great. Mm-hmm. Um, well, do you do you understand at least how rear projection works? Eric? Uh, yes. Yeah. Like okay. Do, do you, you imagine like uh, the, you, you see a lot in old movies with people driving cars? Mm-hmm. Um, right. So it's like them an actual physical car acting up the mm-hmm. scene, and then behind them there's a screen with the street moving projected behind yeah. them. Yeah, and there's a projector behind the screen, uh-huh. which is why it's called a rear projection, and it's it's projecting a reversed image onto the back of the screen, and then you're seeing it from the other side, so you're seeing the flipped image. Mm-hmm. And the way front projection works is they actually project towards the subject, like the actor in this case, so it's a lot of Bruce Campbell, right? And he's standing in front of what's essentially a movie screen. They use the same material. It's called Scotchlight. It's made by 3M. Uh, But it's like essentially like cloth covered with millions of little glass beads Mm -hmm. that directly reflect light, like straight back out at the angle it comes in at. So that's what a lot of movie theater screens are made of. And they use a really faint projection so you don't see it on the actor, but it reflects very clearly off the screen in back. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty interesting process. Uh, there's a particular uh, like brand of it, type of it called IntraVision, which is really almost synonymous with front projection. And there was a there was a studio that existed uh, close to many of the places that you and I have worked. Uh, it was at Poinsettia in Santa Monica in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Those were the IntraVision sound stages. And this was basically where you would go to shoot front projection stuff. And the reason you would use it, because it's more complicated. You need more cameras. Uh, the setup, it just involves more equipment. But it gives you some flexibility that you don't get with rear projection. And one of the big things that it allows you to do is set up multiple depths of effects. So you could have um, projected stuff in front of the actor, Mm -hmm. right? In the foreground of the shot. Then you could have the actor in the middle, and then you could also project the background. So it's sort of like you can almost put your subject in between two projected images. Hmm. Um, And yeah, so it's it's a kind of cool thing. Um, They stopped using it, you know, when digital effects really came into uh, heavy usage in like the mid-90s. Um, so I want to say that one of the last movies that used it heavily was Cliffhanger, which I think both of us have seen in the not too recent yeah, past. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. I wonder what scenes in particular they utilize that technique for, because I, I would like to go back now and like yeah. look for it. I mean, I suspect it's a lot of Stallone and hanging and Michael Rooker in very, very precarious yeah. oh, situations. Oh, I, I meant Evil Dead, right? but yes, also Cliffhanger. Oh, Oh, well, in this one, I feel like you can see it all the time. Right. Um, I, I guess but I especially, wasn't looking for it, yeah. you know? I think, I mean, it sticks out, especially now we've talked about this effect before, but watching an HD version of this movie, it really makes those effects stick out. Whereas if you're watching an old VHS copy, I actually think they blend in a lot better Sure. in standard def. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, one more famous front projection special effect is in The Fugitive uh, with Harrison Ford jumping off of the bus before it gets hit by the train. Yeah. Um, if you go back and watch that and you can kind of see, I think it does look, it looks better than rear projection, but it definitely still sticks out as like, there is a special effect taking place here. And I think that there are some moments in this movie where it gets a little bit rough. Sure. And you you're really seeing the limitations of it. Yeah. That's cool. It, all, it reminds me a little bit of the how they do the Mandalorian with super high definition screens for the backgrounds. Hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, that is pretty. Co- I love that they're still doing that now, and I I hope that that keeps coming back into more regular usage. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, just a couple other things about production. A lot of people know that the ending of this movie was reshot. Um, the original ending, which is available to watch on YouTube, is much darker and more apocalyptic. And maybe we can talk about it um, when we wrap up the summary of the movie. But it was one that the studio decided was too dark. Uh, and they asked them to go back and shoot the current ending. And I will say that I think they're both good. I love the the theatrical ending of this movie. Um, yeah, me too. And I'm happy. I'm happy that it was shot uh, and that it exists. And um, there were also some reshoots and stuff that was added after principal filming a lot. I think a lot, if not all of the windmill stuff um, was reshoot. Oh. Uh, and the Bridget Fonda stuff as well oh. to, at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, and again, uh, they fought for an R rating. They had to cut some stuff out, um, which is why the movie is 81 minutes long in its theatrical <laughs> version. Um, 
And then lastly, uh, yeah, they brought in Danny Elfman, who had worked on Darkman with Sam Raimi, just to write one song. But he write, he wrote the March of the Dead theme, which you can tell when it fires up because it fucking rules. Yeah, it does. Um, <laughs> yeah, but otherwise, the rest of the music is done by uh, the same uh, composer of the first two movies, Joe LaDuca. Um, and he got to record it with the Seattle Symphony, so it's a little bit bigger of a sound, obviously, than you get in the first two movies. For sure. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's that's uh, most of my spiel, I think. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on about the old Army of Darkness uh, before we get into it? No, I don't think so. Um, I, I did just read that during the scene where Ash's car falls from the sky, they lost a crane, a crane fell over a cliff doing that initially (laughs) nobody was hurt thankfully and and so they had to go get a bigger crane not only (laughs) to do the stunt right but also to retrieve the smaller crane that had fallen over the cliff jesus christ Uh, (laughs) um we got a few votes in so far on on the pot on the uh survey Uh only a few evil dead 2 Uh coming in coming in hot army of darkness no votes yet so I'll, i'll i'll revisit this at the end of the episode and we'll see Okay, we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, um, cool, guys. Well, we're gonna take a quick little break, and then we'll come back and uh, recap this movie. Okay, we got some epic music. Is this the Danny Elfman stuff, or was is this the? Uh, do you know from the opening credits? I think the uh, it is. So the Danny Elfman March of the Dead theme will come up when the title the card de- comes up. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, okay. So not until the end of the opening intro. Gotcha. It is pretty it's sort of elfman esque. That's why I was I wasn't sure. Any whoosies, we got some horses stomp through the sand, a long line of prisoners or a line of prisoners being led in stocks behind them. We pan up and one of them's Ash. We get some voiceover. My name is Ash, and I am a slave. Close close as I can figure, the year is thirteen hundred AD, and I am being dragged to my death. It wasn't always like this. I had a real life once, a job. And then we're at S-Mart. The uh, first time we hear or see S-Mart, um, shop smart, shop S-Mart. <laughs> we see his wonderful girlfriend, Linda, uh, Bridget Fonda. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the f- now the third, the third is... Linda. <laughs> yeah, in as many movies, yeah. It's like it's like dogs, like like how many lassies they went through, how many Lindas did they go through? Yeah, yeah she puts up a lot of punishment. <laughs> um, we get a recap of the first movie of the last movie in like the history of the Necronomicon mm-hmm. Ex Mortis, and it's interesting because it is like kind of a it's a a mashup of new shots and old shots. Yeah, it does have footage from Evil Dead too, but then it's also. And I think there are a lot of cool new shots, especially like the hand uh, animation over the yep. um, they, they use this like sort of stylish. Uh, is it is it the oceans washing red with blood kind of background? Right? Yeah. It's almost yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Stock footage, but it looks really I think it looks great. Um, it looks great. Yeah. It does sort of drive me a little nuts that the Necronomicon looks different in this one compared to the last one or it even does. the first one. It's a little too cleaned up in this one. I think it is. Yeah. There's not like that hole for the mouth and eyes mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Um, it awoke something in the woods. It took Linda. Then it came for me. It took my hand and it went bad. So I <laughs> lopped it off at the wrist. 
His narration <laughs> here is fucking great. I really love it. Yeah, me too. The portal opens up. Ash gets sucked into it. And then we get this badass animated title sequence mm-hmm. where it's like wispy smoked yeah. spelling out the evil dead. And it's and or, it is I'm sorry, t- Army of Darkness. Yeah, and it is titled Bruce Campbell versus Army of Darkness. That is, is. And I think that is technically considered the real title of the movie. Bruce um, Campbell. Ver- yeah. Yes. It's not, Bruce Campbell versus be- Army of Darkness. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. I love that. Bruce Campbell versus the Army of Darkness. Then Ash and his car fall from the sky. Yeah. Uh, and that title that- sequence is where we get the big Danny Elfman theme. And it sounds really great. It's cool. Yeah. Um, the fall from the sky really should have killed Ash. Or at least broken his legs. It does seem that way, yeah. But he's, he's very t- far. You know, he's a tough guy. Yeah, he's a tough guy. He works those those legs out. Uh, he's back in the past now. Gets surrounded by knights on horseback. Where in the hell? And Lord Arthur rides up to him. <laughs> Ash, like, easy now, chief. I don't know how I got here. No, I'm not looking for any trouble. <laughs> like, like the knights are hitting his sword hitting his car with swords like they think it's some sort of beast yeah they're like what armor is this yeah, exactly <laughs> and we meet the wise man my lord I believe he's one written about in the Necronomicon uh, yeah so I was just gonna something? yeah I was gonna say for anybody anyone who's particularly forgetful in the Evil Dead 2 in the Necronomicon we get this illustration that he is a prophesied uh, savior of mankind who's going to yeah. defeat the evil dead. And there's that cool illustration of him standing, you know, holding his chainsaw arm up. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I guess we're, we're now witnessing the, uh, that prophecy coming true. It sort of bugs me that at the end of two, mm-hmm. they just get down on their knees and start like praising him. Mm-hmm. But in this one, he he's taken captive. So I mean, gotta the- have to, it gets a little retconned. It is a little retconned. However, I will say that I like I I overall love this movie, but I think that the first twenty minutes are my favorite part of this film. I, I think, think so too. Yeah, and so it's like the fact that he goes on this little journey of being a captive first, and the way yeah. he gets out of it is probably my favorite chunk of this film. I think so too. I I also love the fight at the end, but yeah, the, I was I was thinking the same thing too. This is like sort of my favorite sequence. Yeah. Um. So that fool, he's he's one of Henry's men. We see Duke Henry the Red. They're like rival. Yeah. He's also in stocks. I say to the pit with him. So then they all rush Ash, put him in the stocks. The wise man picks up his chainsaw. The light reflects off of it. Get an associative cut on the sun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as always, there's some fun camera work in this movie. Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like Sam Raimi and his DPs, like they have fun with stuff and they try stuff out. And it's not always it doesn't always work, but it's just like the sheer amount of creativity and experimentation they do is always enjoyable to me. Um. They're leading Ash to the castle. They're whipping him and shit. <laughs> he looks great in a ripped shirt. Like yeah. He's cut. He well, looks, and that's, uh, again, like, this to me is the iconic Ash. It's like his fucked up shirt. He's, like, dirty. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is how I remember him, you know. Um, uh, he must have worked with the trainer again on this one. 
<laughs> Maybe just kept it on, man. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Uh, so they're marching through the, sh- the square. We see sh- uh, Sheila, the who will be the love interest, but now mm-hmm. she glowers yeah. at uh, Ash. Lord Arthur, where's my brother? Did he not ride with you? Lord Arthur tells him that her brother fell in battle to Duke Henry the Red's men. Yeah. Uh, she's sad. Uh, she's sad about it. Uh, Sheila, played by M. Beth Davids, who I think a lot of uh, viewers would know from Matilda. Mm. Um, and also, have you seen Fallen? The uh, Denzel Washington movie? Yeah, the one with like the demon that gets yeah. transferred by touch. I yeah, super uh, super underrated. I think that's a great kind of horror thriller. It's, I, it I is. Like it's cool. Movie. Like really great concept. Yeah, yeah, scary. Anyways, that's that's M. Beth. Uh, kids are kicking the shit out of Ash. <laughs> Sheila herself like grabs him and roughs him up a little bit. My yeah. brother's death shall be avenged. Then they march him over to the pit. Um. And then Henry the Henry the Red's like, wait, who the hell are you, man? <laughs> yeah, you're not you know. one of my guys. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then he he introduces himself to Ash. He's he's like the rival leader. Mm-hmm. He he says like I'm the. He does his cool Scottish accent. He's like I'm the Lord of the North and leader of its peoples. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And Ash is like, well, hello, Mister Fancy Pants. <laughs> I got news for you. You're leading two things right now, Jack and shit. Jack just left town. <laughs> yeah. And th- this feels like a good time to bring up that anybody who's a video game fan, um, like, oh God. The, yeah. So the character, you know what I'm going to say here, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Okay. We're done. I was go, say, go, go for it. No, I was going like, to team off, uh, tag team it. But yeah. So like, uh, Specifically, like, like, there's so much inspiration that the people like car- video games have taken from. I think this character in particular, but like Duke Nukem, uh, is yeah. a fam- famous video game character, is pretty much just an amalgam of Ash's quips and uh, Rowdy Rowdy Piper from They Live. From they Live, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> he just like he just says Bruce Campbell's lines. That's right, word for word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hail to the king, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Which is. Lazy, but also like, I don't know, you picked a, you know, you pick a fun source. So definitely worked for me at the time. Yeah. Like, yeah. fuck yeah, I held to the king. Look at this <laughs> toilet. I can see inside. There's poop. I can flush it. <laughs> There's strippers. This uh, greatest game ever made. <laughs> uh, so Lord Arthur and Duke Henry, the red, they yell at each other. Then Arthur commands his people to open up the pit. <laughs> this old crone gets into Ash's face. Into the pit with you, those bloodthirsty sons of wolves. Are you, you horse, bl- sons of horse, she says. Oh, horse? I have misheard <laughs> yeah. then. Jeez, and then I she takes a huge chomp of a loaf of bread. Loaf of has. bread? That's great. <laughs> There's some wonderful villager stuff in this movie, just like yeah. thrown out. There really is. Some and, great, yeah. some great like extras. Mm-hmm. Some poor dude gets thrown into the pit. We hear a splash and then a geyser of blood shoots out (laughs) so much blood yeah Yeah. and i'll just like i think we're like starting now like i think this is my favorite part of the whole movie i think the introduction of the pit and then spoiler ash is going to escape from the pit and and the scene after he gets out of the pit like this is the highlight and i feel like when i think about this movie and how much i love this movie this is what i always go back to so we got a body count of one now 
another another captured guy tries to escape. He gets a crossbow in the back for his mm-hmm. troubles. Yeah, we get Body a cool too. We get a cool shot of uh, it's like the POV of the crossbow bolt. Yeah, uh, exactly. which is like a very Sam Raimi thing. You get a lot of that in the Quick and the Dead, which comes a, a couple years after this, uh, like kind of bullet cam. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's fun. Uh, and then everybody turns to look at Ash, and it's like really cool sweeping camera <laughs> movement, yeah. like going over all their faces as they turn to him. she's like i never saw these guys before come on he said what is the first line he says hey man i don't even know these assholes (laughs) (laughs) it is his reads i mean the thing is this is what i mean is it's like it goes a little too far sometimes where he's like it's a little too jokey but a lot of these line reads are still really fucking funny to me yeah and that's one in particular where it's just like yeah he's just like 90s dude like a little sarcastic <laughs> in the middle of, in in medieval times like hey man no fuck this like this is oh, bullshit these guys are assholes <laughs> yeah <laughs> sheila picks up a rock and nails ash in the back with it he like stumbles does like a for like a front flip into the pit mm-hmm Hits the water. We see a hand reach out with long fingernails. Pit looks su- great. I want to say, yeah, it's like yeah. it's so it's like uh, it's a cave basically, and there's like maybe a foot of water. It's dark and there's like mist everywhere, and I think it's absolutely one of the best sets in the whole movie. Yeah, and these the two spike walls on the mm-hmm. sides. It's great. Um, a deadite woman pops out of the water. And she punches him in the face. Um. <laughs> one of the guys up top I, I don't know if it cuts to him or if it's just like a, a line that's set off camera like, somebody just says isn't the pit wonderful <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just like a little incidental line uh huh yeah um, cause listening to it on headphones you pick up on things yeah uh, like that then the deadite winds up her fist like a cartoon character hits him flips around him kicks him in the nuts and then uh, Arthur calls for the spike walls to be closed in. And then, so they start to close in on him. The wise man has Ash's chainsaw. He tosses it into the pit for Ash. Ash jumps up. It connects and locks in. In midair. Fire, yeah. In midair. Um, fires it up. <laughs> the deadite jumps at him. He chops her head off. Body count three. The walls are still closing in. He runs up to a wall to climb up it, but a, like a, a previously hidden deadite like pops out yeah. of the wall. Called the referred to lovingly as the pit bitch uh, <laughs> by the special effects team. That is that's one thing I wanted to make a comment about is how often the word bitch gets thrown around mm-hmm. in this and also Ash vs. the Evil Dead. Yeah. I'm not a huge uh, fan of it. No, me neither. Uh, yeah, sh- I I used to. I mean, the line's a little ways off. I used to love yo she bitch. Let's go, but yeah, yeah, it's that is one of those things where it's like, yeah, that was funnier in the late '90s to a teenage me than it is now. Um, I did just watch an episode of Ash vs. Evil Dead where mm. someone's like, "So, how does that chainsaw work?" And he's like, <laughs> "I mean." Isn't it obvious? And that's it. That's, that's the only <laughs> explanation. And I was like, that's fucking perfect. That is the perfect explainer on how that chainsaw works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, the the walls are closing in around him. Um, 
<laughs> the, he chops a deadite's hand off, the swamp bitch, or the pit bitch, whatever it's called. Yeah, pit um, bitch. If like the hand flips through the air and like slaps a guy up top, mm. he loops his belt around a chain that's like like the pulley system starts to you know starts to get pulled out of there. Of course, the Greta, the deadite grabs his foot, and then eventually gets away just as the spikes close, killing the deadite. I guess body count four. He emerges from the well, goes up to Arthur. Hey, your shoelaces. Do you know they're untied? Arthur looks down and Ash decks him. He looks at the rest of the crowd. He's like, all right, who wants some? <laughs> this is great. And, and Arthur's got his little, like, kind of henchman guy who's, like, yeah. real small and sort of weak and bald, but he's, like, big talk. And, uh, and he, and, yeah, Ash singles him out in this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, please continue. Oh, say um, everybody's afraid of him now. Mm. And then Ash has Duke Henry the Red released, and he and his men ride off. Arthur's pissed, pulls a sword on Ash. Wait, like now, has a guy bent. Go ahead. No, yeah, the sword boy. He calls he has like a sword boy. He calls. Up, he yeah. goes sword boy. <laughs> and, then, and then it's a guy who just gets down on his knees and holds his sword in his scabbard and Arthur plants his foot on his shoulder and kicks him <laughs> over and he just sort of topples over meekly as Arthur pulled his sword out. That might be my favorite joke in the whole movie. <laughs> it is really good. Yeah. Um. Uh, I have a favor to ask you and I want you mm-hmm. to feel okay about saying no, but... Mm-hmm. There is a big iconic speech about to happen, and I know that this is what you do on the podcast, and you do it very well, but I wonder if you would let me read oh, this please. just just because I it is so ingrained in my mind. I was mouthing it along with Ash as I watched this with Kendall last night, and she mercilessly mocked me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, so Arthur has a sword drawn. We hear a huge boom. And then his sword is shot from his hands by Ash with a shotgun. Then he says this speech, <laughs> this the iconic Ash speech of Army of Darkness. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. You see this? This is my boomstick. The 12 gauge double barreled Remington, S-Mart's top of the line. You can <laughs> find this in the sco- in the sporting goods department. That's right, this sweet baby was made in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Retails for about $109.95. It's got a walnut stock, cobalt blue steel, and a hair trigger. That's right. Shop smart. Shop S-mart. You got that? It's great. It's great. I I love that he knows what it retails for. (laughs) It's so fucking good. Uh, Oh, lordy. Um... And then he starts to say something like, and the next time one of you even touch me, he spins around, <laughs> shoots a deadite emerging from the pit. Mm. It flips, <laughs> it just flips backwards yeah. and back into it. Yeah. Ooh, Body some, count five. There's some great uh, score stings in here, too, that it's like, there's a lot of scenes that are that are scored the same way, but I really like it where it's like there's a bunch of back and forth and bluster and fighting. And then, you know, the battle's over when the score swells up and everybody's like, oh, my God. Yeah, and we get one of those here where he sends the pit bitch back into the pit. And then, sorry, I keep saying pit bitch. Ugh. Do you think it was the same pit bitch? I think so. Yeah. 
Okay, I'm gonna re I'm gonna uh re uh say body count four then. So. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, I do think it is the same pit B word. Uh all right, please continue. <laughs> it's okay, you could say pit bitch. Okay. You're talking about dogs, a, a yeah. pit bull dog. Yeah, that's right. Uh, all right, now let's talk about how I get back home. And we cut, he's getting the kingly treatment, surrounded by women, being fed grapes and a turkey Any, leg. Anybody ever fed you grapes? No, I don't know that anybody has. Maybe yeah. my, my mom or something, but not like this. <laughs> you were on a lounger? You were <laughs> on a... Probably, yeah, <laughs> yeah be, a brick lounger or whatever. Being fanned. Yeah, that's, that's the oh, dream. That'd be nice. Mm-hmm. It is the dream. <laughs> Sheila apologized to him. First, you want to kill me? Now you want to kiss me? Blow. <laughs> I love just saying blow to somebody. Yeah, blow. Yeah. <laughs> He's such a dick to these people. He really is. He keeps calling them primates. That's yeah. his thing. Yeah. <laughs> primitive, primitives, primitive screwheads, primates. Yeah. yeah. Um, the wise man comes in uh, and he says the only way to get Ash back is through the Necronomicon. And suddenly water splashes on the floor and it's one of the servants. She turns around. She's a deadite. She starts levitating. You shall die. and We shall feast upon your soul. And then, um, of course, she plays. She claps to the ground, plays dead. She's not dead. Guy goes to touch her. And Ash's like, no, wait. He says, um, it's a, yeah, Arthur's reaching out to touch her. Ash grabs his hand at the last second and says, it's a trick. Get an yeah. axe. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and then, yeah, she pops back up, starts hitting people. It's a cool action sequence. Yeah, it's really good. I, like, I think there's a lot of good fights in this movie. I yeah, think, there are. And this is this is really set a template for the TV series. Like, this is kind of how a yes. lot of the action goes down. But yeah, there's some really good hand-to-hand gun fights with between Ash and Deadites across the whole movie. Yeah, and in this one, this is where he says a line like, yo, sea bitch, let's go. It does like what Joe Bob would call shotgun foo. Like literally like just <laughs> fighting with a shot, like yeah, combination like hand-to-hand fighting with shotguns, shooting her. Um, and and I finally, think, I'm sorry, I was just gonna say, I also think this is the point when the movie completely leaves reality the series in terms of the ammunition capacity of any of shotgun sh- yeah, on the planet. Of a double barrel shotgun? <laughs> I think he must. In this scene, I mean, the end scene of this movie is the most insane. But in this one, he probably fires nine or ten rounds without ever reloading the shotgun. It's I think true. we see him reload it once. Okay. But, but other than that, yeah. Yeah. Um, he's very capable. Oh, body count's now five. Ash is like somehow very a very capable fighter. Yeah. In a way that's never explained. <laughs> well, he's been through a lot in a day. A day. In theory, this movie, <laughs> the three movies, that's how far down the timeline we are in real time. <laughs> and then we get a sh- another shed montage like part 2 um Ash getting made a new mechanical hand. It's really steampunk looking. He crushes a pewter glass with it. Groovy. Cup, not a glass. Wouldn't be a glass. And later, Sheila comes into his room. <laughs> He's like, what's the matter? You raised in a barn? Shut the door. <laughs> Probably we're raised in a barn. Yeah, like I'm mumbling out. It's so good. <laughs> I think he calls her a primitive, too. Yeah, I think he does. It's a, where's the raised in a barn? Primitive. 
Um, and then she talks to him about the prophecy that he was prophesized to save them in a very classic, um, you know, movie trope. He denies the call Mm -hmm. and is like, Hey, the only reason I'm here is to get back home. I don't care about you guys. Yeah. Um, he really, he also tries to be like really shitty about her not understanding science. Like I, you probably don't even know what like molecules are or whatever or something. <laughs> yeah. And then like you clearly realize he also doesn't really know. What yeah. He just knows three things. He's like yeah. molecular uh, stuff and runs out of steam. <laughs> and this is the, this is the stuff that I really, that I think has aged really well is it's yes. just like him being a, a terrible hero who is just all, He's he's sort of a Trumpian superhero, right? Totally, yeah, you yeah. <laughs> Just all bluster, and no like, yeah, no. Substance. Well, he does deliver, but yeah, he's he's a decent fighter, but you know, I don't know. Trump's a good golfer, right? So. <laughs> um, he she hands him like a a shirt that she made. Him was like, oh, I could use a good horse blanket. <laughs> and she slaps him. Fair, yeah. <laughs> slaps him, and then very much like a bodice ripping romance novel mm-hmm. as she walks away in a huff he grabs her by the arm pulls her in close give me some sugar baby and they yeah. kiss uh we get that classic duke nukem line <laughs> <laughs> the next day ash is riding out on horseback with a crew of dudes um they get to a point in the path where the horses all get scared and the wise man's like well past theirs where the necronomicon awaits and now, if I can cut in for a second, there was something yeah. I did want to talk about um, that we've mentioned. We really harped on this a bit during the Friday the 13th series, um, but revisiting the movie now after 15 years of living in Los Angeles, it is very fun and funny to just realize that the castle is just smack dab in the middle of uh, Southern California mountains Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, It's like the worst kind of landscape you could build a Uh castle on. Yeah, and the forest that they are now riding into is Griffith Park. Um, (laughs) Is that true? Is it actually Griffith Park? Yeah, it's like around Bronson Canyon, yeah. Um, Oh, wow. And in fact, this scene, uh, the one where he is about to uh, kind of, you know, confer with the old wise man and then head off on his own, is shot at Vasquez Rocks. Oh, yeah, sure. With pretty famous film set, specifically, I think the first most famous thing that people go to there is that classic Star Trek arena where uh, Spock and uh, uh, and Kirk have to square off in battle. You know, the yep. one parodied in The Cable Guy and many other yep. Simpsons. That one, you know, so anyways... Yeah, but yeah, this whole movie is just shot like outside of like in in like Acton, California, and then in Griffith Park. <laughs> it's funny. We were watching a movie last night together, mm-hmm. um, Lionheart, the yeah. Jean Claude Van Damme movie, and the first part takes place in New York, which is just <laughs> having lived in L.A. for fifteen years now. Yeah. It's clearly just L.A. shot for yeah. New York, and we got endless enjoyment out of that. <laughs> and then the best part is they go from New York to LA and yeah. then it's just the same. It's, it's just the same sort of like downtown yeah. Koreatown sort of mm-hmm. area. <laughs> um, yeah. So when he gets to the Necronomicon, he has to recite three words correctly. Klatu, Barata, Niktu. No. Or Verata. 
Verata in this movie, and in the classic uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still, which is where this line originates from, it was Barata with a B. Yeah. yeah. I could have sworn he says Barata later, but I don't know. Oh, I mean, he says a bunch of stuff, so he probably... Says a bunch of shit. Yeah, he probably said he puts a B on there at some point. And he's like, sorry, say it back to me. And Ash repeats it back wrong. He's like, no, 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 <laughs> say it again. It's like, now I got it, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> Renee rides off to get the book. Um, and then as he's riding, the horse gets scared and starts, you know, galloping faster. Mm-hmm. Something's rushing at him from the woods, that classic evil dead mm-hmm. chasing from the woods. Um, he gets nailed by a branch, falls off the horse into a puddle. And they, the thing chases him right up to a windmill. He gets in just in time, slams the door. It's pounding on the door. The door is cracking. Ash is screaming at the top of his lungs. But it's stopped. And then the windmill itself stops and everything kind of goes dark. Um, so then we cut to Ash feeding logs into a fire. He looks back at a mirror. He sees himself. Doesn't really realize what it is. And he gets spooked. And he runs at it. It shatters. And then we see on the ground, the little mirror shards have little reflections of ash. Mm-hmm. And tiny ashes pop out <laughs> of the mirror. <laughs> yeah and this is i mean there are elements of this whole sequence that are a little goofy i mean a lot goofy this is one of the parts of the movie that i was the most afraid was just not going to work for me at all anymore i think it's still a lot of fun um yeah i think I, so i think that it is surpassed by um the ash versus his hand stuff in evil dead 2 which yes, is kind of the sure. clear inspiration for this whole sequence, I think. For sure. Um, but I think it's still fun and I'm glad that it's I'm glad that it's in the movie because a lot of this was part of the reshoots. Uh I wonder what they had shot why they reshot it. If they reshot the scene yeah, or I don't they know. added the scene. That'd be I'd be curious to know. Yeah, it might be in one of the um books uh that cover this the making of this movie, but I couldn't tell you. So the little ashes grab a fork. <laughs> Ramming speed. And they <laughs> stab him right in the ass with that. He jumps and hits his head on a beam. They try to shoot him with a shotgun. <laughs> he picks up the fork and he like expertly spears one of them. Yeah. Body count six. <laughs> uh, the- <laughs> sure. Why not? I'm going to eventually give up on body counts. Just oh, to yeah, warn I you figure. guys. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a war battle. coming. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they trip him. He falls on the stove. His face gets like seared to it. He has to use a spatula to pry it off. Yeah, but then there's no burn on it afterwards. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, and he starts stomping around, trying to stomp on him, singing London Bridges. Then right when he's about to stomp on one, it pulls out an, a nail. It goes right into his foot. They finish the my fair lady part. It's so fucking dumb. That part is like the dumbest of the. (laughs) Yeah, I do think that part didn't land. And like this, this really sequence is like almost like Looney Tunes level. Oh, it's so cartoony. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And also, I will say that I think that this is probably the most sort of egregious front projection stuff that doesn't quite work. Especially there's a there's a shot coming up with two of the little. Ash is holding his mouth open, which is yeah, just like, yeah this okay, doesn't work yeah. at all. Yeah. Yep. Uh yeah, he slips 
falls over, not, hits his head, gets knocked out, and wakes up. What a horrible nightmare. Wait a minute. Oh, God, I can't move. He's tied to the floor like Gulliver's Travels. <laughs> then, fucking, this is the dumbest. One does a fucking cartoon high dive from a beam into his mouth. <laughs> and we were saying like two, uh, two other mm-hmm. little ashes are prying his mouth open. Mm-hmm. And it jumps into his mouth. He swallows him. And he breaks free from his ties, tries to puke it up. It's kicking him from the inside. And then so he picks up a kettle of boiling water and fucking drinks the boiling <laughs> because, water. Which because how about a little hot chocolate? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so It would be so fucking, so painful. Yeah, the sound work is awesome. Uh, yeah yeah the foley of like him like pouring boiling water down his own throat is like really visceral yeah. and the little voice inside him's like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i guess he maybe kills it i'm not sure but his shoulder starts itching and he rips he rips it uh like his shirt away and there's a fucking eye coming out of his shoulder it's so gross and it's great it's, really it's one of the best effects in the movie uh it's it's very vaginal <laughs> Just yeah. like, yeah, just an eyeball emerging from his shoulder with sort of outer lips opening up. It's great. Some wonderful body horror. Uh, he runs out of the windmill screaming and he's growing another head. They both stop to howl at the full moon. Yeah. Apparently this is heavily inspired by an old B horror movie called The Manster. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard of that. I've never seen it, but I've heard of that. Uh. And then they uh they do a full three stooges routine where they're just like poking they're punching each other and, right. and shit. Mm-hmm. They eventually split and now there are two ashes. And then here we go. Yeah. It's... Here we go, Mike. Your time to shine. <laughs> oh no. Okay. <laughs> I have I mean, what's written. I, I can say what he says. Yeah, I can but, read uh, yeah, I mean I can read it. I've heard it a, a million times. I will say that this scene definitely was like a, like i used to love this and uh it was a little less funny this time mm. for me um but yeah here we go what is uh what do we got here we got good ash and bad ash right what yeah. are you oh so yeah so they're looking at each other they're kind of sizing each other up and ash goes what are you are you me and then evil ash this uh what he just laughs at him he calls him a jerk and he says oh you want to know because the answer is easy I'm bad Ash, and you're good Ash. You're good little tissues, little goody tissues, little goody tissues. <laughs> and then he starts sucker punching him and kicking him in the nuts and stuff. And he keeps dancing around yeah. and chanting little goody tissues. Uh, then what happens next? Ash puts the shotgun to his face, blows him against a tree. Good, bad. I'm the guy with the gun, which is a cool line. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was my favorite part. And I will, uh, I- with a little bit of shame, uh, admit once again that, yeah, my very first email address was Bad Ash. Uh, I believe it was 96 was the first one. Bad Ash 96, because that was the year. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Hold on. I got to respond no, to I got our, our, our next guest. I got it. I got it. I already did it. Keep going. Do your job. Oh, got it. Great. Uh, so... Ash straps him down, fires up a chainsaw, cuts him up, throws the body parts into a hole. The head rolls out and yells at him about, you'll never retrieve the Necronomicon. 
And Ash is like, hey, what's that? You got something on your face. Throws a pile of dirt on his face, buries him. Then he rides off to get where uh, to get to the books. They're on this stone altar in like the cemetery. Really cool, scary looking. Um, then he gets there, and there's three of them. Nobody said anything about three books. <laughs> he opens the first one. And there's a portal, like a, a black hole, kind of like sucking him in. Yeah. He tries to get away from it, but he like stretches his arms out super long. Mm-hmm. Then he gets sucked in. This this part is like burned into my memory. He gets sucked in. He pops back out. And his face is super long and stretched out. Yeah, it's a great prosthetic. It, it's practical effect. It looks really fun. Yeah. He crawls out of the book, but his face is still long. And he just has to, like, shake his head a few times. Like, yeah. And I think and in, like, the, in the in-between, before he fixes it, I think he looks like Ronald Reagan. He does. And who Bruce Campbell played in, like, season two of Fargo? Or, That's I think right. it's season two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. And so finally, he like shakes his face till it gets back to normal. Uh, the second book, but like bites his hands and flies around like a bat. And uh, <laughs> finally, he gets to the third book. He picks it up. He has to say the three words. He can't think of the last word. He's like, ah, oh, it's something with an N. And, and he does it. So it's. I mean, he does this whole scene so well because it's like there's so much pomp and like bravado. He he goes, oh yeah, I gotta say the words. And he goes, Klaatu. Barata, uh, and then he can't pull the last one. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, what is it? Uh, uh, ne- uh, necktie. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's pretty funny. And then yeah. he just tries to fudge it by yeah. by coughing while he says it. <laughs> Klaatu, Barata, ne- <laughs> just kind of looks around. Yeah, thunder, like you hear thunder crash in the distance. He's like, "All right, well, I guess that did it." He's like, "Yeah." He just goes, "Well, okay, then that's it." <laughs> it's great. Yeah, this is one of the uh, see, and again, this is one of the goofy ass scenes that totally held up for me. I'm just like, my uh, yeah. Kenda, Kenda thought it was funny. I was laughing my ass off, and I've seen it fucking twenty times. You know? <laughs> So then he picks the book up, an earthquake hits, headstones start flying into the air. <laughs> castle, like lightning strikes the castle. <laughs> the wise man knows that something's wrong. And then skeleton arms burst out of the ground and grab Ash. There's an- another Three Stooges yeah, this, routine. This is the full on Stooges. Like, this is. Yeah. It literally is like poking in the eyeballs and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Um,. They, yeah, they stretch his, stretch his cheeks out, poke his eyes and stuff. Grab his he tongue. He eventually gets away. <laughs> Pull yeah. it out of his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> the, my favorite part is uh, there. there is the one moment where uh, like two skeleton fingers come in to try to poke him in the eyes. And in classic Stooges style, he puts one hand up in the middle and blocks the two fingers. And then yeah. two other skeleton fingers come from the outside and poke both And poke his eyes. eyes. Yeah. 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 Uh, so then Evil Ash pops out of the ground and reassembles, but he's all fucked up looking. <laughs> I live again. Yeah. And something to clarify here that I just never really thought that hard about, uh, which will show you what an idiot I am, but I think it's also a testament to Bruce Campbell. So Evil Ash, even in his his fucked up form and as he'll be in the rest of the movie, also played by and voiced by Bruce Campbell the whole time. 
Dude, um, I had the same thought. I was like, oh, yeah. fuck, it is just Bruce Campbell. I never even thought about it. I don't know Right. Why. They feel like different characters, and there's so much makeup that I'm just like, yeah, it must be some other guy. And then I was like, wait, no, it is it is Bruce Campbell. And they, may, they must do something in post with his voice a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe he's just doing a really good job of doing a different voice. But yeah. um, So Ash returns to the castle. He gives a wise man the, the book and... He knows that Ash didn't do the word. He's like, hey, did you do the words correctly? He's like, yeah, basically. <laughs> and he gets pissed off. He's like, you know, you've doomed us all. The army of the dead awoke. The army's going to come there to get the book. Um, what, uh, then Lord Arthur says that uh, they'll keep their bargain and send it. Oh, oh, right, 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 right. So basically he's like, well, I got the book. I gave you the book. Come on now. You got to yeah. send me home. Yeah, that was this, part of the deal. This is his huge kind of coward heel turn where everyone is right. realizing like that he sucks. Uh, yeah, he's like, I never said I would protect you guys from the army of the dead. I, I said I'd get the book so you'd bring me home. Yeah, everyone's super disappointed of him. Adam, Sheila still believes into him, believes in him though, and uh, she's still totally into him for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> I do. You know, I like I like her character. I like mm-hmm. like their relationship, but like it is very unearned in a lot of ways. Yeah, I guess she's just impressed by his bluster. Yeah, she's very sort of a subservient uh, woman character that isn't a whole lot of fun. Uh, but hey, maybe you know Ash's got the magic stick. I guess you remember that old fifty cents? <laughs> oh, hey now, <laughs> uh, and then a flying deadite, like the one at the end of part two, yeah. flies up. Grabs Sheila, flies off with her. This one looks better. This one looks great, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is one in a line of like there are some really awesome prosthetic ghouls in this. I think the pit bitch being one example. This flying ghoul, and there's a couple later on too. So then, back at the graveyard, Evil Ash has a skeleton army. They're digging up more skeletons for him. There's a ton of skeleton slapstick, <laughs> and. <laughs> I I have to say, during this part of the movie, uh-huh. I wasn't so into the skeletons. Mm-hmm. By the end, I'm a fucking skeleton fan. Yeah, the skeletons are very funny. I'm a skeleton convert. They have got a lot of great throwaway lines. Yeah, because um, they're kind of just like they're just like sort of army guys that are just like, hey, you over there, like uh, grab that line and kind of stuff. You it know? is. It is very funny to see a skeleton speak in a normal voice <laughs> and just be like, "Oh no, <laughs> oh no!" Yeah, it's a, yeah. They there there is a lot of fun stuff with the skeletons for sure. Bring on the wench! Sheila's tossed at his feet. He picks her up. Give me some sugar, baby. Makes her kiss his exposed. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have any lips. It's pretty it's gross. Disgusting. <laughs> Uh, so back at the castle, they know the army of the dead is coming. They're a two day ride away. Everybody freaks out. Then Ash has this big moment. He shoots into the air. Go ahead, run. Me, I'm through running. <laughs> Me, I say we stay here and we fight it out. Yeah. So but- totally, totally unearned hero speech. Yeah. He was a complete and total coward, bailing on them. 
two scenes ago, and now he's like, "You pussies." I guess it's just, it was Sheila's like faith in him, and then her being mm-hmm. kidnapped that probably changed him. But yeah, I probably could have used another scene to have one more change. Yeah, or maybe he just kind of comes crawling back and agrees to help them instead of like berating them for being cowards. Right. Uh, so they don't have enough people. There's only sixty men. So Ash's plan is to get Henry the Red and his men to fight with them. Yeah. Now and who's with me? Something I want to. The other thing that is funny is as much money as they spent on this versus the earlier films. There's a budget of upwards of about eleven million dollars, but like the scale of it really kind of like the the seams start to show when you consider that. Essentially, Arthur is supposed to be like King Arthur, like King of England. Right. Right. The wise man is Merlin, and like Duke Henry is the King of Scotland. <laughs> and it's like. Yeah, it is supposed to be the UK. Yeah. And they have like both of them respectively seem to have armies of about 30 to 40 people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because even in the bad ending, like the um, alternate ending. We mm-hmm. see the we see Big Ben. Yeah, yeah. Like in the distance. <laughs> it's supposed to be the UK. Um Evil Ash has his skeleton army mounted up. Sheila's all evil now. That's a sight for sore bones. <laughs> I think Castle Ash and his crew are using textbooks that he had in his trunk uh in in the engine and from his car to make like ammo and shit. There's an old Fangoria <laughs> issue in the trunk. Oh, yeah, car. yeah. And, yeah. And also, I think a farewell to arm. Oh, no, no, that's in. No. Oh, sorry. I watched another episode of Ash versus Evil Dead. Uh-huh, and they get yeah. confused in my head. Anyways, I love that Ash is like the smartest person in this world just because <laughs> he has like a science textbook. <laughs> yeah. This is a fun montage. This movie it has. Is has two solid montages we didn't we skipped over one early on uh i'm just realizing now which is him uh getting his hand his new metal hand crafted for oh no right? we talked about I, I mentioned it oh i was just completely zoned out <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what the fuck i was doing but anyways that was a fun montage and then this we get more like you said the textbook he's about to make some gunpowder it also trains him to fight in like yeah. formation, which is like, how the fuck does he know how to do that? Yeah. Maybe for movies, I guess. Uh huh. Yeah. There's a really funny scene where he makes, he's making the gunpowder and he's got a little bag and he hands it to the wise man who immediately holds it over a candle. And there's like some very good, like physical, like silent comedy where Ash is like, whoa, whoa oh, no, yeah, no, yeah. no. Like, oh, takes oh. it away from him. And then like, like when the guy looks away, like grabs the candle and moves it away from moves him. it away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, then the deadites are at the castle. It, I, I should have written down the full line, but I just wrote Chinese jet pilot. Do you know what that means? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I mean, uh, I think that's an old phrase, but it, yeah, it's basically, yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to make it. And I'm a Chinese jet pilot, which is just like, he's not. A Chinese jet pilot. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so seeing the skeleton army with like their flute, the flautists in their drums, always made me laugh. Like just like, <laughs> like they're like full on like, mm. you know, uh, pipers right. or whatever. Well, this is the big return of Danny Elfman's March of the Dead theme, which mm-hmm. again is really great. You should listen to it. But this is like the fully stretched out version. And yeah, so you have little skeleton pipers playing the flutes. There's bagpipers at one point. Skeleton bagpipers. Did you catch that? 
Yeah. Yeah. God, yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah, and like playing the drums and stuff. It's it's an army of the dead. It's cool. It's very cool. Yeah. Um Ash commands everybody to take their places at the castle. <laughs> this is like what I'm talking about with the skeletons. A skeleton's like, my lord, we are positioned on both fronts. <laughs> it's fucking it's so funny yeah. when they talk. And I think that guy um, is Bill Mosley from the uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. Oh, awesome. Devil's Rejects, yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, I like like the skeleton rides up to him on a horse. And when he talks to him, he's a puppet. But then it cuts to the wide shot, and he rides away. And it's just a skeleton strapped to a horse. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like kind of like bobbing around in a funny way. Yeah, it's great. Um. So then at the castle... They light the fuse on some explosive arrows, time it just right, shoot them at the skeletons. Skeletons are exploding everywhere. Uh, Then they have catapults with bags of gunpowder on it. Evil Ash is getting all pissed off. He's like, Sally, fall! His jaw keeps coming out out of place. He gets to keep readjusting it to get Sally forth out. And stop motion skeletons start ramming the gates. Yeah, and I did uh, want to point some... out the the special effects in this. So this is, um, God, I keep forgetting his name, but it's the same special effects guy from the from uh, Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two who came oh, back. Oh, Tommy to do... something. Uh, yeah, Tom uh, Sullivan. Maybe is that it? Yeah, uh, uh, I'll find it. But yeah, anyways, it is the same. It's the same stop motion. Because K and B worked on most of the effects for this, and I think one other company too. But he did do uh, some of the stop motion skeleton stuff. It seems like Sam Raimi is a good guy to be friends with. Like he for just brings sure. all of his friends back all the time to work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the skeletons are killing people with crossbows. They get inside the gate. There's a lot of close combat sword fighting. Um, the humans pull out the moves that Ash has taught them and are able to like knock some of the skeleton line back. And then Ash bursts out with his fucking modified Oldsmobile. Uh, <laughs> it has like a giant fan blade and like a big cow catcher in the front. It looks ridiculous. <laughs> it looks ridiculous. He literally mows through the skeletons and then he gets to Sheila. He slams on the brakes, goes out of control. He jumps out of there, crashes and blows up, but she's evil. She tries to stab him with a spear. And it kicks her into the pit. Um, Arthur is shot with an arrow. And then it, all, it seems like the skeletons are finally overpowering everybody in the castle. They're also trying to get to the book where the Book of the Dead is like behind a cage that's being guarded by guards. Um, and it seems like all is lost. And then Duke Henry and his men arrive. And Ash sees evil Ash. And then goes right for him. Sheila jumps out of the pit onto Ash's back. You found me beautiful once. Honey, you got real ugly. (laughs) It's a good line. (laughs) (laughs) He impales her on a spear and like flings her off the wall. Um, Evil Ash gets to the book. Then Ash spears him. They fight with like a spear versus sword. Uh, Like there's a cool moment where Ash is like on the ground. He had been knocked over. And Evil Ash is like going to deliver the killing blow, mm-hmm. but Ash grabs the sword with its mechanical hands. Yeah. And this is a long, drawn out, this is like an epic 
climactic sword fight. And I mentioned Errol Flynn earlier. Yeah. Like they go up and down, you know, castle wall steps and stuff. It's super classic. It's very fun. It's really well choreographed. And I I read that a lot of the choreographing uh, is was really tough for Bruce Campbell because it's like he's playing both roles in the close up. So he had oh, to sure. learn twice as much choreography. And sometimes he's doing front projection where he's sword fighting uh, someone who isn't there. So it's like it's a really impressive feat, I think. It looks great too. I love the sequence. Yeah. Um, at some point, like he, they, he, they both get two swords. He's fighting an ele- uh, an elephant. What? <laughs> He's fighting evil Ash in a skeleton all at once. Yeah. Um, and then Ash lights evil Ash on fire with a torch, and straight up like swings on a rope, swashbuckler style. It kicks him over the side. But he's not gone. He's still alive. He's just a skeleton now. <laughs> yeah, he's still got his helmet on. And yeah. He, yeah. But it, this is this is that classic Harryhausen, just like it is a stop motion skeleton night. Yeah. I got a bone to pick with you. <laughs> Ash's torch is like flung over the wall to the ground and it, it ignites a f- the fuse on a bag of gunpowder on a catapult. And he's thrown down next to it. Then Evil Ash has the book. He gra- he's, he's able to get the Necronomicon. He jumps down from the castle walls onto the, the lit bag he of gunpowder. Yeah. Does Ash a big favor by landing exactly where he needs him to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then he starts talking a big game. I, I didn't write down what he wrote, but he's like, I defeated you and blah, blah, blah. Like, blah. Mm-hmm. And then Ash just like cuts the book from his hand. Cuts his hand off with the book Cuts in his it. hand yeah. off. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Grabs the book. Fires the catapult. Yeah, cuts the line on the catapult. Yeah, <laughs> and then the uh, skeleton, the evil ash skeleton, like flips through the air and then explodes. Yeah, into the night sky, goes off like a firework. It's great, <laughs> it's super cartoony. And immediately the battle's won. Everyone cheers. Yeah. We've defeated them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The army, de- army of the undead, um, flees. Sheila wakes up. She's normal again. Arthur and Henry embrace. Everyone's happy. <laughs> and then uh so this is the theatrical cut let's uh why don't we do the alternate first let's tell them what okay. would happen in the so the original version yeah in the original version um we would see this scene where the wise man prepares the potion for ash to drink but in this in the original one he's supposed to take seven six drops six drops six or seven drops six drops because he's supposed to sleep he's sleep for 600 years each drop is a century 100 years exactly so he'll just sleep and then wake up in his own time yeah so then ash goes to a cave seals himself into the cave yeah says his his tearful goodbyes to sheila which they think they use the same the same shots in both yeah pretty sure it's the same Mm -hmm. and then um starts to take the drops he gets to five Something distracts him <laughs> and he looks around and yeah. he, then he, he goes back to the drops. He forgets that he did five. Yeah. Does five again and then six. And it's like, mm-hmm. All right, well, I guess that's it. Falls asleep. There's like a montage of time passing, like winters coming yeah. and going. Glaciers melting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's goofy. He grows a giant beard and he's like covered mm-hmm. in cobwebs. He wakes up. He emerges from the cave. 
and he's in post-apocalyptic London. <laughs> yeah, and the, the ruins of Big Ben are in front of a, a burning skyline of post-apocalyptic London. Yeah, right. Then he th- I think he just is like, no. And he says, I slept too long. Oh, that's what yeah. it is. Yeah, I slept too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just to really put make it clear to everybody what happened. <laughs> so that was the initial yeah. ending. They found it too depressing. Yes. But it would have tied into what they wanted the next movie to be, which is Ash in post-apocalyptic, in the post-apocalypse fighting the Deadites, which I think is pretty fucking rad. But no. Instead, we get what is now the canonical ending. So same thing happens. The potion's being prepared. Ash is just to drink it, and he'll be back on his own time. Um, and he has to s- recite the words again exactly. Klaatu verata nicht. Exactly. And then uh, we get the scene where he kisses Sheila, says his goodbye, rides off on his horse. And then we're in S-Mart, modern day. Yeah. Ash, and- with his like face all cut up. What are we going to say? No, no, go ahead. I was just going to oh, jump in when you when you hit a pause. Um, Ash is telling the story to a coworker, a super bored looking coworker. It is Ted Raimi, uh, Ted brother Raimi. of the director, uh, mother Henrietta from Evil Dead Two. He also plays two different medieval villagers uh, in the movie earlier, including the guy when Ash is getting everybody fired up with a beard. Is like you can you can rely on my steel. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and he was just in the episode I watched uh, where he plays a bartender. Spe- yeah, <laughs> whose special drink is to put ketamine in, <laughs> in like it's a called, cocktail. It's called Pink Fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Pink Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's, yeah, it really is. He's really good. He's he's in he's in a lot of season two. He's awesome. But yeah, I what I was gonna say is I actually really like this device where they kind of. At least for this brief moment, they kind of make you do a double take where it's really just Ash telling this crazy story to his coworker, and it's like, wait, is this guy just completely full of shit? And he just like made right. all of this up. Is yeah. is everything we've seen just been like a lot mm-hmm. a tall tale he's telling to impress somebody? Right. Um so the guy's like So uh did you get the words right this time? Yeah. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> it gets a little defensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, you know, most of them, you know. Like, uh, and then there's a hot girl like overhearing and she's super impressed by his story. Yeah. And it's the, fucking... it, I was just going to say, this is the this is the fiance from The Wedding Singer. Um, oh, yeah. She's a fairly well-known actor. Her name is. Give me two seconds. I'm sorry. I met her once. She's very nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, fuck, 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 fuck. Uh, is it? Fuck, fuck. Oh, no. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Yeah, this is fun, uh, right? Angela Featherstone. Oh, Angela Featherstone. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, there she is. Uh, so then there's a deadite there in the store. She's about to, like, kill the girl with a cash register. She's going to smash her head. And Ash jumps into the, uh, hunting department. Yeah. The outdoor department. Smashes the uh display case grabs a gun names ash housewares he shoots his, her full of wait, his line before this is one of my favorite ash lines in the whole movie uh when he gets up he fires at her for the first he fires the air conditioner out of her hands he shoots it with his gun and the camera whip pans over to him <laughs> and he goes 
lady, I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to leave the store. (laughs) (laughs) Names Ash, housewares. And then it's just like he shoots her full of a fucking million bullets. He fires that rifle so many goddamn times. So many times. He's like on a cart. He's like riding a cart and shooting Mm -hmm. at the same time. She like hits a trampoline, flips through the air. A bunch of crazy shit happens all at once. And then um, finally he like shoots her and she dies. It might even be over his shoulder like the shotgun. I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, she lands dead on the ground. Uh, yeah, after flipping through the air. Then we get some voiceover. Sure, I could have stayed in the past. Could even have been king. But in my own way, I am the king. Grabs the babe. Hail to the king, baby. And kisses her. Credits. Oh, man. What a teenage boy's fever dream. <laughs> yeah, it truly is. It truly, truly is. Yeah, yeah. Amen, brother. Okay. That is Army of Darkness. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to rush us, but we do have a special guest waiting for us. So let's get through mm-hmm. these final things. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I'll punt the questions that we got to next episode. Or we can just handle them after we wrap up with uh, our special guest. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, all right. So, moment that aged the worst. Um, you know, I, I I thought about this a lot, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm torn between two things. Okay. I, I I feel like you're we're gonna be saying the same thing. So why don't you give uh-huh. yours, and I'll say my other one. So I feel like you might take. Mine. Yeah, I think that like most of there's some pretty tone deaf gender stuff, but I do think that most of it is deliberate in that mm-hmm. it is satirical, and it is kind of like at no point do the filmmakers or Bruce Campbell playing Ash want you to think that Ash is actually cool or someone you should emulate. Right, you know? right. So it's a little right. tricky to be I like, agree. yeah, like, you know, some of his lines are like a little bit rough and obviously like the gender politics with him and Sheila are really bad. But I think that's mostly on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will say that for me, it's uh, it is one of my favorite scenes. But the good ash, bad ash showdown, I think, is just it's too goofy. Mm. I think when I was younger, I enjoyed it. But now it's just like I wish it was reined in just a little bit in terms of the line deliveries and how like slapsticky really that whole middle chunk of the movie is. I think you could just tighten it up a bit. Uh, yeah. So mine, um, I was torn between just like the casual bitch throwing around. Yeah, um, yeah. And not so much the word as in like as just like the word doesn't really the way it's used. I don't think. <clears throat> justifies its use right you know what i mean it's but it was a different time that's fine whatever i, I mean i'll say this is faint this is this barely gets him out of jail but he only ever uses it to refer to deadites sure and yeah. i actually think the series is a little more guilty of just kind of throwing that word around too much yeah yeah uh when it's just not even deadites right at least in my memory anyway but i think what i want to zero in on is the like vaudeville humor mm-hmm just doesn't it just doesn't i don't know i'm not a 60 year old man who grew up on the stooges <laughs> so that stuff just doesn't really hit with me as much yeah. um so it's sort of similar to what you're saying cuz i do think that cartoony battle between evil ash and good yeah. ash but if i were to like maybe in one scene it would be like the the mini ashes mm-hmm. in the 
various hijinks there. Yeah. And I wonder if we have, I don't know how many real young listeners we have. Probably not that many. I think a lot of people are in our demo. But if you're even a generation beyond us, uh, like a, like a, a Gen Z or like a late millennial, chime in. Do you, do you, how do you even feel about this Three Stooges slapstick type of stuff? I want to know if it yeah, lands with younger too. people. Yeah. Uh, so then, moving on. Best death. Mm. That is a, a... Huh. I think I have one. Okay. But I want you to go first. Okay. I know I made you go first last time, uh, okay. so I'll, I'll, I'll give mine. I'll, I, I won't be a coward. All right, I appreciate it. <laughs> you loudmouth braggart. <laughs> I'm a loudmouth coward braggart. Yeah. Um, this is really truly dumb. This okay. is a dumb thing I'm about to say. Okay. I think it's very. I think it is sort. Of, it's going to contradict what I just said, but <laughs> I do. I do think it's funny that catapult. See, like flinging the skeleton <laughs> of a- evil ash into the sky, him exploding is so uh-huh. stupid. Yeah. And I thought, I th- I'm tapping into my old self. I thought it was very funny when I first saw it. Gotcha. Um. Yeah. Anyway, why don't you go? Um, I think that for me, the one that still resonates the most, uh, I love the ending of this movie. I love the reshot ending, and I think the final S Mart showdown with the Deadite is my favorite fight scene and 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 her eventual death like her death itself is not quite as impactful but if we're just taking that as kind of you know the scene itself that involves the death i think that's the one that i have the most fun with uh i love the fir- like i mean we overall we talked about this i love this whole movie but the first 20 minutes and then this reshot ending honestly are kind of the bookends that really make me just that I think it sings the most. So, well said. Yeah. Well, here on Kill Streak, we like to rate the scariness of these movies uh, on what we call the Carpenter scale, which uh, we rate these movies against the film oeuvre <laughs> of John, a uh, one Mister John Carpenter. Yeah, I think there's a very, very clear. Yeah comparison here we, we hinted at this last week why don't you go ahead and tell everybody eric i think that's just almost one to one in terms of tone and amount of fright yeah, yeah. uh for me this is a big trouble in little china 110 percent. yeah yeah Th- this is the big trouble in little china of the evil dead series uh yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. for sure totally uh and then so finally marry fuck kill is this a movie that we are going to marry and revisit are we just gonna have our fun with it and move on with our lives, or mm-hmm. do we just never want to see it again? Yeah, Mike, I put it on to you. Um, okay, well, I when I make these decisions, uh, uh, just to reiterate for anybody who knows, I'm not comparing Army of Darkness to make this choice against the other movies in this series. When I rank them, that is certainly part of what I will do, and most of what I will do. But for the purposes of this, the Mary Fuck Kill is independent of how good is this for an evil dead movie? And I think as a movie, this is a Mary all the way. Um, mm-hmm. It is certainly uh, has some flaws. It, it, sh- it has more flaws probably than, than we've talked about last week, but overall it's so much fun. Uh, it's big and loud and goofy. And I laughed a bunch while I watched it. 
And, you know, I loved it so much when I was younger for a reason, and I, I still have a lot of affection for it. So I, I will put a ring on this. No problem. Yeah. Well put. I'm right there with you for all the same reasons. Uh, it's a Mary for me as well. Um, I will bust out just a, we, we got a couple of questions. Okay. Um, so we got a question from Cool Hands Guns. Guns spelled all crazy, 61. <laughs> On Twitter, and if you have any questions, you can write to us on Twitter at KillstreakPod. First question he has is M. Beth Davids, toot it and boot it or wife up? I want to put this to you first. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> uh, thanks for writing in. Um, I'm not going to answer the question. Uh, <laughs> Eric, well, we, we toyed way back when during the Blair Witch Project. I think we once toyed with the idea of doing Mary Fuck Kill with actual people. People. Uh, and yeah. I think we learned very quickly that it, it works a lot better for movies. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and not, yeah, yeah. not talking about the fuckability of human beings. So <laughs> all I will say is that I think M. Beth Davids is great in this movie. She had a, She's very game, even though... Uh, I know that this was an odd experience for her as like her first real U.S. role. Uh, she seems like a lovely woman, and I wish her well. And I agree with you. Toot and boot it for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Uh, moving on. He also wants to know if we're going to be covering the Phantasm franchise at some point in the near future. Um, I can't say if it'll be in the near future, but we will certainly will cover uh that series yes it's a series that i have a lot of affection for uh, he himself says that part two is his favorite mm. of the bunch mm. uh and i think i probably agree i think two and three are my favorites don't but, you know, oh hey, man we'll just give it all away it. jesus christ oh, hey man. but who knows who knows if that's gonna stand if watching them again we can't give these people the milk for free eric um <laughs> but yeah a hundred percent we will eventually do phantasm uh only uh, we don't know when, you know, no one yeah. really knows. Sometime next year would be my guess, since it's we only have guess. one more yeah. series to cover before the end of the year. Yep, yep, fair. And then finally asked us about the 1996 movie, The Frighteners, mm. what we thought of it. Uh, um, I'll say for my end, I really liked it when I saw it when I was, a, mm. I probably saw it in like 96, 97, and I've never revisited it. So yeah. it is due for a rewatch in my, uh, for me. I've seen it more recently. I think it's a really fun movie. I love introducing it to people who've never seen it. Um, it's because it is one of those movies that's like, you know, a lot of people talk about Ghostbusters and uh, sort of paranormal comedy. Uh, you know, Ghostbusters isn't really horror so so much, uh, but that kind of sci-fi fantasy paranormal. And it's like there aren't a lot of movies that can can do that. And, and hit the comedy note. And I think the Frighteners, while not at the at the same level as a Ghostbusters, is is one of those small handfuls of movies that I think does nail that tone. Uh and it's a lot of fun. And also it stars Michael J. Fox. And if that doesn't get you excited, then I don't know what to do for you. So, <laughs> you know. No. But I do know what you should do. What's which that? is stay tuned for our next segment. We're gonna take a quick break. Break. We're gonna take a quick with your break. We'll be right back. We're oh bad god. with your boy. Oh my god. Okay, we're back with our final segment. We once again have a very special guest, Mr. Mike Price. Why don't you tell our dear, dear listeners what we're about to do? 
Sure. Well, we touched on it very briefly uh, in our first part of the podcast, but uh, Danny Elfman, one of the great composers of the 20th and 21st century, uh, leader of Oingo Boingo, one of my favorite 80s bands, uh, donated the track, or I should say was paid to do March of the Dead for Army of Darkness. Uh, and in honor of the great Elfman, uh, as it were, uh, we wanted to bring back one of our favorite recurring guests, the voice of Killstreak, Mr. Ryan Martin. We're happy to have you for yet another much-anticipated edition of Scored to Death. Yeah, happy to be here. Danny Elfman edition, yeah. I know, I love soundtracks, you know that. Love love Danny Elfman. Hell yeah. I was. It was funny, in, in doing some digging, he's got 125 scores Ooh. under his belt. He's got four Oscar nods. He's won like 80 other awards. Like Mm -hmm. it's just prolific. And then to come from the world, just come from Oingo Boingo. Yeah. So good. One of the coolest things I've ever experienced uh, in terms of live music. is So every year he does, uh, he leads a live orchestral performance of the Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes, yes, yeah. I've heard about that. At the Hollywood Bowl. And in very recent years... Uh, he has been closing the show. Uh, so if anybody who doesn't know about Danny Elfman, he, uh, over the course of his career in Oingo Boingo, started to suffer from hearing loss um, from live touring and live playing. And, you know, because music is such an important part of his, I mean, it is his life. It's what he does. Um, he retired from live performance and basically has said Oingo Boingo will never reunite because largely because he's not willing to do live rock shows anymore. Um, He makes an exception for these orchestral shows, but in recent years, he's been bringing out uh, the lead guitar player from Oingo Boingo to perform dead man's party because these nightmare before Christmas shows are done around Halloween weekend. That's Uh, nice. So I did get to see the two of them perform one Oingo Boingo song live, uh, which is a memory I will take to the grave with me. That's pretty amazing. That's awesome. I, I always kind of associate Oingo Boingo with um, Wall of Voodoo, Stan yeah. Ridgeway. Um, and I feel like mm. Stan Ridgeway has gone down like the darkest timeline <laughs> and Danny Elfman is like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, depressing. Okay, anyway. <laughs> but that's a story for another day. Well, anyway, guys, um, so I've got, I've got six questions for you guys. We're going to do it. Uh, 30 second clips. Okay. Buzz in if you know it. I'll pause okay. the clip. You get it right. Boom. Point for you. Get it wrong. Other guy can steal. Right. Um, always got a tiebreaker in the back pocket. Okay. And um, yeah. You guys think you're ready to go? I mean, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I was saying a price off the air. I'm going to be so fucking bad at this. But hey, that's what. That's what the people want. Yeah. Hey, you know what? They want to hear the it's a dead man's party. Let's have a good yeah. time. Um, and if it's way too <laughs> okay. loud, just give me like the high sign. I'll just turn it down. Okay, great. Okay, okay guys, here comes track one. Eric, is that from Batman? That is Batman. Hell yeah! I was I was debating between Batman and Batman Returns. I overthought it. <laughs> <laughs> Those seconds yeah. count. All right. Eric's off to the races. Yeah, off here. to the races. All right, here comes track two. Do you, you need to reset buzzers. the buzzers? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. 
Oh. All right, I got Price. Uh, is that from Beetlejuice? That is Beetlejuice. All right. I love the Ooh. Harry Belafonte. Uh, yeah, rap. man. It's I. I promised myself that I wasn't going to cheat at all and bone <laughs> up on Danny Elfman before we started. Uh, I can only speak for myself. Uh, yeah, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I the one that I did get right, I did not listen to. It's some of the some of the lesser, my lesser known. Okay, uh, reset yeah. those buzzers. Yeah, apparently Beetlejuice two on IMDb says completed Ooh. like that they've i don't know if that means principal photography or what but very interesting but danny elfman is credited with the score man we can only hope that maybe alec baldwin gives us a little taste of his trump impression I guess. <laughs> <laughs> just old man baldwin all right look at me resetting the buzzers all okay right. hey look at that all right so that's one to one, one okay one. all right here we all right, go. here we go track number three Mike Price. Mars Attacks. Fuck. Oh, it was Mike got it. God damn it. <laughs> I, I could have sworn it was me. God damn it. Well, it is not Mars Attacks. Okay. Ah, suck on that, Mike. I was going to say right, Mars you, Attacks. You want to hear some more seconds of it? About halfway <laughs> yeah. through. Oh, oh, wait. No, I have a guess. I have a guess. Oh, you don't want to hear anymore? You can listen to the rest of it for free, you clown. Yeah, you get, you get free. Okay, sure. You, you, no, you should guess. I don't no, no, guess. no, no. I do. I want to hear it. Okay, I'm ready to answer. Your answer. Ed Wood. That is Ed Wood. Hell yeah. Not Again, scored by Danny Elfman. That was me. That was me messing with you guys. <laughs> that was not scored by Danny Elfman? No. So Howard Shore did oh. the score for Ed Wood, which I thought was really interesting. One of the one of the very few um Tim Byrne movies that isn't Danny Elfman. Wow. It really flabbergasted because I went straight there to be like, oh, Ed Wood soundtrack. Here we go. But sure, sure. Well, now um, I don't feel bad at all because in my head I was like, well, it has to be a Danny Elfman score. And I know that Danny Elfman did Mars Attacks. So. Well, I, I could have swore we said in the text chain to throw in some red hair. We did. We did. I we did. Know. Listen, you've done nothing wrong. Okay. This is Eric's <laughs> fault. Look at me clearing the buzzer. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. You guys ready for track? Oh, for, by the way, guys, you mm-hmm. guys have got all three of these so far. There's been yeah. no dead fish. Um, okay, give here us, comes track four. Give us. You time. guys ready? Yes. <laughs> they are getting harder. All right, here comes track four. Bryce. Edward Scissorhands. Edward Scissorhands. Oh. That's correct. All Main right. Thing. Woo! All right. Tied it up again. Man. I love this. This is good. I like it when you guys get it. <laughs> Me too. We don't make total fools of ourselves. <laughs> well, the funny okay. thing is like, because it's like, this is all non-horror stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so we're not actually horror experts. We're just posing. <laughs> He's done so few horror movies. Yeah. Like, I, I would only context like three... Army of Darkness, uh, Mars Attacks, and 
It's Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, I'd say Sleepy Hollow counts. Okay. Yeah. All right, ready for track number five? Yes. Here we go, sir. Buzzers. Buzzers. Price. I feel like I'm gonna fuck the name of this up, but is it is it forbidden? Uh, it's either forbidden planet or the forbidden zone. I'm gonna go with the forbidden zone. Forbidden zone is correct. Wow. Yes. Holy shit. Danny Elfman's Ooh. first score, 1979. Yes, yeah, the, the movie. It's basically Richard the Oingo Elfman. Boingo movie, yep. right? The yeah. Mystic Knights of Oingo Boingo. Yeah. Oh, that's All very right. cool. Richard Elfman, I was reading a couple weeks ago, he decided to get ahead of it mm-hmm. and has re-released Forbidden Zone with a character now in Clown Face. Not even gonna oh. say what, but he was like, guys were reissuing it. <laughs> Characters now in clown face. It never mattered to me. If anything, this is funnier. By the way, being re-released. If you just want to buy it, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, good for him. All right, so Price, you got that. So Mike three, Eric two. All right, this is hey, a big one. Comes see. the next one. Here Let's reset those buzzers. Oh, good call. Okay. <laughs> All right, ready? Yeah. Here we go. Track six. Mm. Oh, price on top. I mean, I didn't even remember that this was Danny Elfman, but that sure sounds like Scrooged. To it me. is Scrooged. <laughs> there it is. Ah. Woo, baby. Mike Price. Feeling hot. <laughs> Let's do another six. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. That's probably a good amount for our audience. (laughs) Hey, just for fun, let's give Uh Eric the tiebreaker. Okay, Okay. let's do it. So, Mike, Eric gets first call on this. Don't do, 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 do. I'm staying out of it. I'm going to give Eric time. Here's the just for fun Eric track. Wait for it. Got some peewee here. Oh hell yeah! The breakfast machine theme. Hell yeah! I'm gonna let it play. <laughs> Just cause it did this part so good. <laughs> oh man, that movie that's terrified great. me. Sorry, just, as that's a, a good one. <laughs> yeah, me too, actually. <laughs> oh oh man. man, well thank you so much, Ryan. That was yeah, yeah, a that was really way fun. bigger success than I thought. I thought I would just be <laughs> fucking shamed. I yeah. did lose, but I, I'm fine that I got at least two. It turns you didn't out get anything wrong. Yeah, there That's were true. no. We got all. We got all of them. Got uh, all of them. Yeah, I'm proud of us. I think uh, next time I'm, I'm on, proud of us I'll too. do Indiana Jones movies, and you guys can just tell me which. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. It's a plan for sure. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah. Thank show. you again for putting the work in and, and giving us some of your time. It is always a pleasure, sir. Yeah. 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 Happy to be here. Happy to yeah. be here. 
Um, and please reach out to us as we always, uh, shill, uh, hit us up on Twitter, killstreakpod, Instagram, killstreakpod, email us at killstreakpod at gmail.com. Uh, and yeah, please don't hesitate to rate and review us on Apple podcasts. That really helps get attention directed towards the podcast. I know you guys have never heard that before, but it's a shocking revelation. I know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, that's, that's, uh, that's my piece. Yeah, guys, we're going to be back next week with the remake uh, of The Evil Dead. And uh, yeah, that's a rough one. (laughs) I remember that being a real rough one um, (laughs) as far as like brutality goes. But hey, in the meantime, hold your loved ones close and your enemies closer. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. But as always, hail to the king, baby.